Park episode a couple weeks ago, I went back and played SimCity 2013. <sighs> Why? And also, and also played City Skylines. Less stupid. Hot take. SimCity 2013, better than City Skylines. Oh my Skylines. god. <laughs> after you really? They, this after is how they, we're starting this? After they added the offline mode, it's better. It's a better game. The truth uh, is, I got, I got no horse in this race. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know where to start with being disappointed in you. <laughs> well, let me continue. Will Wright is a hack, and they don't need him. How's that oh make God. you feel? <laughs> we wouldn't have Dark Spore without him. That's true. You're right. Wait, That's I true. think we would. I don't think he did anything on that game. <laughs> yeah, it's just well, like... Gonna, why, do you, why do you say that? Just because, like, the polish... And the interface is better. It's more friendly. You sure. I, I mean, I don't. What if they made? What if they made Sims Spore? The Isn't that just Spore? <laughs> no, but it's like Spore, but you do like what Sims do. Like you walk around and eat popcorn and piss your pants and whatever. <laughs> but you're a Spore. <laughs> so you're just a single cell organism floating around no, eating no, popcorn no. and pissing well, your yeah. pants. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but then there's different levels. Can you watch your Spore watch TV? Yeah. <laughs> Just picture Spore, but Sims, so Sims Spore. It's not that hard to get. <laughs> it's not weird and convoluted at all, okay? So Chris is quitting the podcast to go work for Maxis. There is no uh, Maxis. After they hear this episode. Yeah, yeah they'll be back. Maxis exists. I can't not wait really. to fall my hundreds well, of dollars in your guys' face when I get back. Yeah, after EA hires you as a consultant, hears your ideas, pays you a $50 fee, and then steals all of them. <laughs> I'm assuming that's yeah. how corporations work. It's probably how they work. Yeah. Yeah, this is EA. <laughs> I am concerned. EA, are they putting programmers into some sort of hydraulic press and crushing them? What is it? They call it crunch. I'm not. Yeah, nobody's yeah, ever explained they, to me what it is. Is that what them, they do? They crunch them into a fine paste. Yeah. Actually, programmer crunch is just the cereal that we all eat. <laughs> What's in programmer crunch? Microchips. It can't be good for you. <laughs> yeah. You gotta put Dew on it instead of milk. <laughs> that just reminds me of a Futurama quote in the uh, Roswell episode where Fry's grandfather sticks his hand oh, in Bender's yeah. head and eats like the microchips, thinking the chips. Man, them chips sure come on my mouth up something bad. <laughs> That's literally my favorite episode. <laughs> it's my brain. Oh, so good. <laughs> So speaking of SimCity 2013 and hugely disappointing games... I didn't realize we were doing a Halo 5 Guardians episode <laughs> so soon. I could say that that is going to happen again today, but to call this thing disappointing kind of implies that some sort of higher expectation had to be there. Yeah, like there was somebody out there with high hopes of it. <laughs> For this absolute <laughs> fucking trash fire of a title. The ironically named Duke Nukem Forever an entry in the long-running first-person shooter series and sequel to its classic 3D release, known for its disastrous production of being in development from 1997 to 2011 across multiple companies, <laughs> <laughs> multiple platforms, 14 years. Multiple engines. Multiple engines, we'll, yeah. yeah. We'll get to that in a um, bit. But. As you can already guess, and not just because it was partially covered in our episodes on Gearbox and Borderlands, None of it was even the slightest bit worth it in the end. Slammed upon launch for its outdated design, visuals, humor, and just general lack of polish, this thing whiffed hard in terms of reviews, as well as sales, while frequently being referenced as one of the worst games of the generation and all time. Yeah. I 
hate this game. <laughs> so now let's all find out the story of where it all went wrong together. This is Hot Button. I'm Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley. Blow it out your ass. <laughs> and Chris Adetuano. <laughs> I don't have time to play with myself. <laughs> Austin, what the fuck happened with Duke well, Nukem Forever? Well, first off, you forgot to introduce our new guest. Oh. <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> yes, yes, we yes, are talking we to are. you. Introduce yourself. <laughs> My name's Duke Nukem. <laughs> well, <sighs> Jesus, that was that was a rough intro. Damn, that was annoying. <laughs> I agree. Let's just start. Is this what we've been resigned to? It's gonna get so much worse. Just you wait. All right. Nuke Dukem. So Or should I should I call this game Forever to Come Out and Forever Making Me Angry Duke, when I think more about like it? Duke Nukem taking forever. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll get that out of the way now because otherwise Oh yeah. Well yeah. how could this even be a bad game? You're telling me this is from the Aliens Colonial Marines guys. <laughs> this is that how could this be a bad game? Yes, as Randy mentioned, we did go over a little bit, but I did mention in our Gearbox Randy Pitchford episode that I would do an entire episode just on Duke Nukem, thinking <laughs> that it would be shorter, but my script is very long, so strap in. It's going to be a ride, ladies and gentlemen. Well, who's the actor? It's John St. John, John St. Right? John. Okay. An so, honor for, to have him here in the studio as, today. As is hot button tradition with our episodes on the development of a game, first we're going to go down the history of the company, then the history of the franchise, and then mm. we'll get to Duke Nukem Forever. So to start, the best for last, huh? Yes. <laughs> so to start, a man by the name of Scott Miller from the University of Dallas founded his own software company titled Apogee Software in 1987. Okay. Under this company name, he developed and released such hit titles as Puzzle Fun Pack, Adventure Fun Pack, <laughs> Word Whiz... Trivia Wiz, oh, yeah, Trek yeah. Trivia, oh, that's a good one. Next Generation Ooh. Trivia, yeah, yeah, and the game he is probably only known for before our topic today, the Cross Trilogy, which was the first to actually bear the Apogee name. Define hit. The what trilogy? <laughs> Cross. Ever heard of it? <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the Cross prequels came out, and it just all right. We'll get to why you might not have heard of it in just a little <laughs> bit, but at the same time. Because I wasn't alive? Yeah. Another <laughs> University of Dallas student and friend of Scott Miller, by the name of George Broussard, yep. was also releasing some games under his own company name titled Micro FX. I don't have a list of those games. They're less popular than Star Trek trivia. So. <laughs> but a lot of these games were developed using the shareware model. Are you guys familiar with the shareware model? Yep. Yeah. It's basically the pay what you want. Yeah. It's yeah, free yeah. if you want to support us. You, you send still us some see money. that for some games yeah. every now and then? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of these games, if you go on Wikipedia and look up a list of Apogee titles, a lot of them were released in episodes. It is the same way. Like Doom has episodes. Yeah. Those yeah. were released I, as I, episodes. Doom 3D has episodes as well. It's it like does. Five and episodes um, or something. originally they were all free, but as you can guess, releasing free games is not the most profitable yeah. thing I if mean, you're trying to start a company. versions of that yeah. game so, as well. But. Scott Miller and George Broussard developed what would later be dubbed the Apogee model, 
In this, a shareware version of the first episode of a game would be released, and then upon completion, the game would show a mailing address. In the beginning, it was Scott Miller's mailing address, <laughs> and a way to contact Scott Miller so that he could send you the rest of the game if you paid him. Okay. <laughs> the early days of the internet. That's yeah. it for today. If you want any more hot button, you have to email Austin. Yeah. So that's our no, episode. Gotta, yeah. My email address is Duke Nukem Lover six nine six nine. Um, at yahoo.com. No, you have to send us a physical letter with a dollar in it. Yeah, That's and it a- has to have $3 worth of stamps on it. <laughs> um, so, you may not have heard of the games that I listed. What? I don't even remember the names you said already. <laughs> the Cross Trilogy. The yeah. Cross Trilogy. Cross Wars. But these games did prove to be successful enough because the one thing about the shareware model, you might not make a lot of money, but if you're giving games out for free, people will share them. Hence the name Shareware. And if people share your games enough, your name gets out there. At the very least, that's how you become popular. Then you get a couple emails. Yeah. (laughs) And because of this, Apogee decided that their model was working and they were going to get into publishing as well as development. So they were contacted by a company named Ideas from the Deep. That's not bad. And the first title that they That's published was a title called Commander Keen in Invasion of the Vorticons. Commander Keen! It should be noted that Ideas from the Deep would later change their name to id Software. Yes. Yeah. I remember that because of that embarrassing Commander Keen reboot that came out like a yeah. year ago. It was announced. I don't think it ever came out, did it? <laughs> I don't know. All right. It was a mobile game, it was. so I don't know. Well, yeah. Um, All right, you keep going. No. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, they later changed their name to id Software, and Apogee would later help them publish Commander Keen in Goodbye Galaxy, and also a little-known title called Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah, I was just looking at like their box art for all the Apogee software games. I miss box art that's just like somebody got paid to fully hand-draw like <laughs> something that has nothing to do with the game. I know, right? Uh, Fuck yeah, incredible. Wolfenstein 3D. But Wolfenstein 3D might be getting a tiny bit ahead of ourselves. Also, you this game might be fucking canceled, dude. Probably. <laughs> like, um, they, since I was that, literally thinking about that game while I was writing the really? script. I yeah. was like, did it come out? I don't remember. <laughs> I this was announced at Bethesda's E3 in 2019, which we did an episode on. Yes. It was planned for release later that summer, and then they're no further. It's hidden in the same closet that the Tom Clancy hero gotcha game that they announced. Wait, did that in. never come out either? That never came out either. <laughs> Although I think that I'm game sure they both came great. out in beta or something because i saw somebody talking about it but i don't think it ever came out yeah all right flashback to 1991 right after publishing the first commander keen apogee decides that they're going to add their first couple of employees and steve right. miller is even going to partner with his new co-owner george brassard and absorb his company micro fx so that they just become apogee and with this move they decided hey commander keen's pretty successful let's make our own commander keen and thus, our friend is born. <laughs> our friend. Duke, that's right. Duke Nukem. <laughs> he ain't my friend. <laughs> yeah, spelled... Yeah, yeah. Was Commander Keen all grown up? <laughs> yeah. Originally spelled Duke N-U-K-U-M. They changed the title screen after a little bit. It played a lot like Commander Keen. If you've never played Commander Keen, you were a kid in a football helmet walking around shooting cartoon aliens. Yeah. Duke Nukem. Walking around shooting cops <laughs> looking at strippers. Yeah, Duke Nukem, you're, you're a guile ripoff with a flat top walking around shooting... Pig cops. Yeah, 
pig cops and stuff. Pig aliens. And our badass protagonist was born. Should be noted, no voice at this time. However... Which is funny, because that's like the whole thing. However, they did have the writing in there because there was dialogue in the same way a 2D game would have dialogue, just text on the screen. Was all the dialogue ripped from 80s movies? I don't think so. Like, I don't remember. Robocop and they I never played it, and I watched some clips of it. It looked bad. (laughs) What? But here's our plot synopsis. Set in the far-off future of 1997, Dr. Proton <laughs> is a mad scientist who has developed the tech bots to take over the world. Duke chases <laughs> him. Now, please. Doc, Dr. Proton <laughs> creates the tech bots. I... <laughs> 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 the evil scientist, Dr. Scientist, he goes off and creates some metal men. Oh, oh my God. Right. So, Duke chases Dr. Proton from L.A. to the moon, captures him, puts him in prison, and then chases him through his prison escape to finally stop him. Now, that sounds more epic than it actually was. The player's goal was simply to jump from level to level, platform to platform, killing enemies and scoring points to reach the exit, just like any other side-scroller. Yeah, the pack of that box, real um, enticing. Now, the game, to call it a success, depends on how you look at success. <laughs> uh, but the game sold roughly... <laughs> what si- is winning, really? The game sold roughly <laughs> sixty to 70,000 copies, which, for the time, and for the level of, you know... 75K, fame, you said? 60 to 70. Okay, sure. Yeah, which is good, you know. I have no, no idea. Sounds like a lot. It was good enough to earn a sequel... Duke Nukem 2, which we'll get to. But first, let's check in with our guest, see what he thinks of his first game. <laughs> Damn, I'm good. I mean, I gotta disagree with you, Duke. I mean, we made fun of you pretty... That game's not great. We made fun of you a lot. Don't get your panties all in a bunch. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe be in better games, and then we won't have to, you know? I, I, I hate you so much. <laughs> I've honestly, I've never played the original Duke I did, Nukem. I honestly did not know Duke Nukem started as a side-scroller until yes. I started researching I played this. a bit of 3D, but... Yes. Well, what is our second one about? What does it play like? Well, it's a side-scroller, and it yeah. plays exactly like the first one with a bit of an updated engine graphics engine. I think both of these games might be bonus extras in, a, in a, one of the Probably, Duke Nukem entries. Yeah. In the same way that like every Doom game usually has one and two in there somewhere, yeah. or Wolfenstein. The new ones have Wolfenstein 3D. But for our plot synopsis, this time Duke was kidnapped by the Rigletons. Rigletons? What is? Or at least they made up a name this fucking <laughs> yeah, time. That's, that's, that's An alien race who uses his immense brain power to try and formulate a plan to enslave Earth. <laughs> But Duke what? breaks free, and again, side scrolls from level to level in order to stop. It's anything I know about Duke is that he's a, a, yeah. a apparently Duke a genius. Duke gets kidnapped by the Space Manians, <laughs> and they take. <laughs> now I don't have sales figures for the second one, but we do know that it was successful enough again to eventually get the sequel that would put Duke on the map. Duke Nukem 64. But not just yet. You see, while Duke Nukem 2 was in development, Apogee was also publishing another game. A game that I mentioned before, and a game that would go on to change gaming forever. Wolfenstein 3D, which came out in 1992, one year after Duke Nukem 1, one year before Duke Nukem 2. And Doom would come out one year later in 1993, which was the same year as Duke Nukem 2. Yeah, so suck on that, Duke Nukem. (laughs) And Apogee had an obviously close working relationship with id, the developers of Wolfenstein and Doom. And while it was at work on Doom, 
they hired Apogee to work on a sequel to their previous hit, Wolfenstein 3D. Did Duke Nukem have that similar, like, Poochie-like attitude in those first two games? Or is it... Like, I know he wasn't voiced, but... Uh... No. From what I saw, it was less like, blow it out your ass, and more just like, oh, I'm gonna kill these aliens. Okay. Like, not a parody, like, just like a badass action okay. game like, star. That seems like leftover from the 80s. Yes, exactly. But yeah. We have the new and development title, tentatively titled Wolfenstein 2 Rise of the Triad. The game uses a modified version of the Wolfenstein engine and as such played very similarly. However, its software eventually came to a decision. You see, Wolfenstein 3D was cool, but Doom was going to be the new hot shit. (laughs) And so John Romero and John Carmack decided we're going to focus more on Doom. Smart. (laughs) They called up Scott Miller and they told him, you know what, we'll get to Wolfenstein when we get to it. Cancel that project. Well, Apogee put a lot of work into Wolfenstein 2 Rise of the Triad, and they didn't really want to cancel the project. Wait, you said Wolfenstein 2 Rise of the Triad? Yeah. Okay, I thought you said Duke Nukem 2 Rise of the Triad. No, no, no. I was Wolfenstein like, Wait, 2 Rise of the It was a sequel to Wolfenstein Okay, original. that's why I said smart, because I thought they were pulling focus off of Duke Nukem. No, Wolfenstein's no, no. dope. You were mentioning this to me the other night, and it's like, I had no fucking idea that Rise of the Triad started as a Wolfenstein. I'll, wait till you hear the description for this plot. Okay. So, Apogee, not wanting their work to go to waste, retooled the game redid some of the assets, removed any Wolf references to BJ Blazkowicz, removed any references to Castle Wolfenstein, and in 1995, released the game, now simply titled Rise of the Triad, with the following description. After the fall of Hitler the true powers behind him have drawn into seclusion, planning their next strategy for world domination. Three large corporations guided Hitler as a puppet and now plan <laughs> the subjugation of the planet to their organization, the Triad. Their new plan... Having developed nuclear weapons and their new V3 rockets to carry them, they plan to get a stranglehold on the world with the threat of Armageddon. Huh. That's funny because, like, I remember Rise of the Triad having a lot of that kind of Wolfenstein sort of style imagery, but it seemed like well, the, it seemed like this game kind of paved the road for future Wolfenstein titles where they wanted to explore, like, alternate history stuff. Exactly, like, yeah. Very, like, Philip K. Um, Dick. But, I mean, this game did well, again. Maybe not as well as it would have if it was Wolfenstein 2. Obviously, it did nowhere near as well as Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. Yeah. Because... It we all the, know the history of that. I think it was the first game I ever heard the word fucking. Rise of the Triad? <laughs> I think so, That yeah. sounds like Apogee for you. <laughs> but it sold around 110,000 copies. That's nothing to sneeze at. And it got good reviews other yeah. than the obvious reviewer and fan here and there pointing out, this is exactly like Wolfenstein. <laughs> and also a little like Doom. Right. That makes sense. It started out as a Wolfenstein sequel and also apparently had some ties to Doom that they never took out when it was planned to be a mm. Wolfenstein sequel. Yeah, John Romero's head is still in it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, at this point, Apogee, partnering with id, who is blowing up, is now yeah. becoming big on their own. But they realized something, which was that a lot of the name recognition that Apogee had had a lot to do with outdated genres. Side-scrollers, trivia games, text adventures, things that were maybe not as popular in the <laughs> early 90s. Sure. So they made a decision. They decided that they were going to split Apogee into multiple companies. Each company would be meant to cover certain genres of game. This idea didn't get very far, however. Two companies that were born, the first one was named Pinball Wizards, which only released one game called Balls of Steel. I've got balls of steel. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, thank you for your commentary. Thanks, Thanks, Mr. Newcomb. Was the game any good? Mm, Don't have time to play with myself. That's a shame, dude. What happened? Shit happens. Okay. 
And the other company, you may know better, 3D Realms. Boy, do I. Yes. Now, 3D Realms... Prey was great. ...was officially formed in 1994. Rise of the Triad came out in 1995. But for whatever reason, Rise of the Triad is the last Apogee game. It still had the name Apogee on it. Yeah, it doesn't have 3D Realms. No, uh, it says Apogee. Might be some licensing thing. It yeah. might be, yeah. Or they were just still incorporating, or I don't know how the how law long works. How for or anything. Fuck the law, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first game to use the name 3D Realms was the game named... Terminal Velocity, developed by Terminal Reality, who you oh. may know as the makers of Blood Rain, Connect Star Wars, and the Ghostbusters game. <laughs> That's a kind of a eclectic mix. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terminal Reality came up on the, the Guy Game episode yes. because they were They've part of... they been around forever. Yeah, they were part of the gathering of developers. Oh, nice. Who we will get to. Really? That yes. Ghostbusters <laughs> game is pretty okay. Oh, yeah, it's alright. Yeah, you remember Connect Star Wars when they That's put the their dancing game in it? There was the song where he's like, I'm Han Solo. This literally I'm came Han up Solo. on the fucking Guy Game episode like a month ago. <laughs> <Do you> know, <laughs> That's all I know about that uh, game. God, using the Connect for Star Wars. Star Wars game is probably the coolest and one of the most obvious things to do and you just somehow completely fumble that <laughs> yeah also blood rain's a good game <laughs> blood rain 2 is also fun yeah is that the one with kane or is that that's, 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 re- that's wrestling Wait, no not um, the wrestler the vampire guy uh, yeah the bad guy for command and conquer no <laughs> No, that's the guy from Starship Troopers. Are you thinking of Oscar Isaac's character in Annihilation? <laughs> um, oh, the legacy we that yesterday. of Kane. We did. <laughs> so good. No, that's Blade. <laughs> Didn't Blade not pay his taxes or something? All right. <laughs> Wait, Wesley Snipes or the character Blade? Yes. The character. <laughs> They're one and the same, dude. Oh. First of all, tell me about how the fuck Blade's supposed to pay taxes? <laughs> He gets paid for his vampire hunting, right? What if he followed his W-2 for cutting people in half? <laughs> it's a 1099, not a W-2. Yeah, he's a contractor. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, 3D Realms was hard at work on their first developed 3D Realms game, and leading us into the first part of our topic for today, Duke Nukem 3D. Oh, I thought Duke was going to... I thought he had something to say. No, we'll get to him in a minute. Shut up. <laughs> Um, Duke Nukem 3D was a direct follow-up to Duke Nukem 2 and stars our pal Duke, this time voiced by John St. John. Yes. What was uh, he known for? Is he a radio guy? Kind of like uh, I don't the, know. the Master Chief? That's a good question. We can look it up. On his way home from his alien kidnapping. Now, not much story. That motherfucker's sto- getting kidnapped a lot. Well, no. This time he's coming home from it. Oh, okay. He's coming home. <laughs> he escaped the kidnapping. He's on his way home. Not much story is actually presented in Duke Nukem 3D. Other than a little blurb in the help menu, which I found, and here oh, is the that way, blurb. I was close. He was a DJ. A DJ, okay. Yeah. I bet he was a DJ at a strip club. That's just... <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he sounds like one. Yeah. Here is that blurb. He's Biggs the cat? A babe, a stogie, and a bottle of Jack. That's what I need right now. <laughs> Duke mused on his recent defeat of the Riglitons. His voice raspy, even in his thoughts. After single-handedly saving Earth again, he was ready for a long period of lying the hell down. And no more friggin' aliens. Just then, a white-hot plasmatic blast punched through the hull of his cruiser. Klaxons flared, warning lights flashed, and static filled his monitors. He flipped on his comms. Hey, anybody out there? I got a little prob- Just before he was able to finish, 
Mayday, mayday, the radio replied. Los Angeles is under attack. There are aliens everywhere, and they've mutated the LAPD. Is anyone there? We need help. Then the transmission went silent. Great. Duke grumbled as he careening his ship missed a skyscraper. What's the problem with all these aliens attacking Earth anyway? How many alien races have to get their ass kicked? Duke slammed his fist into the waiting eject button. I guess one more. Sounds uh, like Duke Nukem a book on tape. Like, <laughs> do you have anything to say about your adventure in LA? Holy cow! <laughs> um, I mean, it's not that great of a setup for a story. You're pissing me off. Yeah, well, again, star in better games, and I won't have to do that. Blow it out your ass. <laughs> all right, all right, calm down. That's the one. Now. I talked about how the previous two games and a lot of other Apogee games were successful enough to keep them going. This game is their big hit. Oh, yeah. Or, sorry, 3D Realms at this point. Their first game, and it's a hit. Released in January 1996, the game sold almost 1 million copies in the U.S. alone in the 1990s and was the 12th best-selling computer game of that decade behind other hits like Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. And it has since gone on with re-releases, Nintendo 64 versions, PlayStation versions, Steam versions to pass around 3.5 million in sales. With various degrees of censoring. But no, like it's hard to sometimes look back now as to why that game was so successful, but... It wasn't just it's like rude counterculture, you know, kind of attitude and movie references, Mm -hmm. but apparently like it was extremely novel at the time, which we've had prior episodes, I think on the voice actor when we were talking about some of the first games that we could remember that had VO and we were talking about games like Metal Gear Solid, which was still years away at this point in 98, but Duke Nukem, like as a character, like he might've been like the first like fully voiced from start to finish game protagonist. I mean, yeah, Like, like. other like, than uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, BJ Blaskowitz and Doom Marine didn't really no, have personality. No, they even kind of, you know, other than the face at the bottom of the screen, didn't have much of a personality until yeah. years later they would examine that. But that was kind of like a, a new thing to see. And other than that, I think there were like two main things that hooked a lot of people, at least me when I was a little kid. And it was the weird weaponry and like items you could get like because up to that point when you consider what we know about shooters with doom wolfenstein and rise of the triad the most inventive things you could get in those games still operated the same way as other it was just like pistol shotgun you know they had the chainsaw and stuff like yeah. that in doom but for the most part it wasn't until duke nukem 3d that you got stuff like shrink guns and yeah. trip mines yeah. and like night vision goggles and that made for like really like off the wall multiplayer you know uh-huh, like and the uh-huh. way that all that stuff interacted with each other like remote control bomb rc cars and stuff like that and then in the campaign you also had like the environments were really varied obviously like doom and wolfenstein have like an aesthetic but those levels are almost indistinguishable from the last as you progress through those right and duke Nukem 3d which i remember i played this at a friend's house when i was younger was going from like new level to new level i mean yeah you're on the streets of la yeah 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 Yeah, like and and you could interact with everything like you could i'm looking at pictures right now just like i remember it looking a little bit better in my memory i was (laughs) a bit disappointed still sprite work but it still looks pretty good yeah i mean Mm -hmm. it had a style and like again this sounds very quaint now but like the fact that you could blow up 
like barrels and break windows that you could go up to toilets and flush them and stuff like that. You could pull. You could pull shit out of the toilets. You could throw money at strippers. You could throw money at strippers. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of little Easter eggs in that game that it wouldn't make that stuff clear. There was a lot of optional pads. Like you could choose to just be like, what object interacts with what and what gag will play out when I find it. It's like, I'm not even talking about this. Like, you know, it's like the greatest game ever because it's, I don't have that much nostalgia Doom for... Doom's a better game. And Doom is a better game. But Duke Nukem has oh, yeah. more of a wacky personality. It's something... Yeah. It's more memorable. I think we would have also looked back at Duke Nukem 3D more fondly if Duke as a character never showed his face again after that game. Because I'm sure you'll get into it. This was his really only good outing. Like, it's... But yeah, I had friends into this release when it came out and there was tons of DLC. There was so much. They kept expanding on it, just adding more weapons, more levels, more multiplayer shit, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well... That's kind of... That's yeah. Duke Nukem 3D. I mean, that success came for a reason. And a lot of subtlety, like the cops, they were pigs. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Biting, biting commentary. commentary. Yeah. yeah. Also, I was a kid, and this game was like the naughty Beavis and Butthead sure, sure. style. Like the, but yeah, that game's success certainly bolstered the team's confidence. And a little over a year later, April 28th, 1997, a day which will live in infamy, <laughs> a sequel was announced titled Duke Nukem Forever. 1997. 1997. It is great that they... Wait, the first one came out in 96, you said, right? 96, yeah. yes. And there okay. were spinoffs as well. There was like a Planet of the Babes. There was a couple third-person ones I mean, ones I list on them off at the end. Okay, yeah. They're not really worth talking we about. We can just cause... cover them now. Duke Nukem Time to Kill. Duke Nukem Zero Hour. Time Duke Nukem kill. Land of the Babes. Duke Nukem The Manhattan Project. If I recall, those were all just varying degrees of Shit. of bad. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, Steve Miller and George Broussard decided, bolstered by the success of Duke Nukem 3D, that publishers, not necessary. They don't need <laughs> funding. They got money. <laughs> okay. So they're going to fund the development of Duke Nukem Forever by themselves. That allows them to Played focus. <laughs> that allows them to focus on the game and not worry about release dates or timelines. <laughs> uh, however, they did give marketing rights over to a company called GT Interactive. That sounds familiar. I don't yeah. know why. I mean, they owned Duke Nukem for a while. and I think I must have games. seen that logo. I'll get to what they became later. Okay. Defunct. <laughs> I don't know. But, and this is my own personal opinion, but it seems like 3D Realms has a string of sort of following in id Software's footsteps. Duke Nukem 1 is just Commander Keen, and so is 2. Duke Nukem 3D is just Wolfenstein and Doom. Yeah. Albeit with a lot of changes that made people like it, but... The foundation. The foundation. uh, Yeah. As a starting point, they always seem to lean on id. So, when it came (laughs) time to design Duke Nukem Forever, they looked to their pals at id to figure out what to do next. What are y'all doing? Yeah. And it just so happened that Duke Nukem Forever wasn't the only popular shooter to come out in 1996. There was another little-known game. Torok. Quake. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Quake was 96. Quake was 96. Uh Uh-huh. And not only that, but it was working on a follow-up to Quake, titled Quake 2. Mm -hmm. And with a new Quake came a new engine. So when it came time to select... The the, the Call of Duty engine. Quake II. (laughs) Sorry, yeah. Quake II. My bad. When it came time to select a 3D engine, 3D Realms decided, well, Duke Nukem was made on the Wolfenstein engine. They did start this game on the Quake 2 engine. Let's use the Quake 2 engine. There should be some longevity to it. (laughs) But the problem... Hey, Call of Duty still uses the Quake 2 engine. Uh, Yeah, I know. You're right. Fuck. (laughs) Problem, though. Quake 2, not yet out. 
and it did license their engines out to people, but the you know the engine has to be finished before you can give it out to other people. Oh, so Duke Nukem Forever began development on the original Quake engine, and this presented a problem for them as well because you know it is the big boy on the block, license fee for licensing an id tech engine, not the cheapest. The license cost them around $500,000 to license the Quake 2 engine. And to put that in perspective, Duke Nukem 3D's entire budget was $300,000. So this is a step up in cost. Holy shit. (laughs) But George Broussard said, fuck it, let's go with it. Because, and I quote, this will save us a lot of time. (laughs) Making the game in an outdated engine, Will? (laughs) Well, this wasn't outdated at the time. This was cutting edge at the time. But well, you said it was the Quake 1 engine, so it was cutting edge for another four months. They were paying 500000 for Quake 2, and it was letting them use oh, Quake 1 while okay, it, one in the yeah. meantime. Okay, okay. So we're already two engines in. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. But 3D Sorry, Realms, I'm trying to keep track. I gotta have a tally mark on the wall behind me. 3D Realms had to follow up on the hype. So they released two screenshots of Duke Nukem Forever in PC Gamer in yes. August and September of 1997. These are still out there. <laughs> problem again quake 2 engine not done so these screenshots are mock-ups the game is also not even started these are just mock-ups that were done in the quake engine the quake 2 engine was finally given to 3d realms in november of 1997 and we have the first publicly known footage of duke nukem forever running on the quake 2 engine was shown off to the public at e3 1998 which was a roughly six seven months after they received the quake 2 engine code All right. Okay. But the footage showed clips of the game, featured Duke Nukem with a machine gun on the back of a truck, fighting fighter jets, running around the Nevada desert fighting aliens, meeting all sorts of wacky characters, going into strip clubs, meeting uh, busty women. It featured really awful, cheesy rock music and some random voice samples from our friend John St. John. (laughs) But the press really dug it. Something smells rotten around here. Um, our friend is not wrong. You see, while the press and the fans were hyped on this footage, George Broussard was not at all. You I, see, I've heard this. This yeah. footage was all they fucking had, and a lot of it was faked because the team was absolutely struggling with the Quake 2 engine. A thing that Randy kind of hinted at is that Doom and Wolfenstein and Quake they feature enclosed environments. Duke Nukem 3D's difference was it was on the streets, it was open. Yeah. And they wanted to keep that going, but the Quake 2 engine is meant to be used for Quake, which also has closed environments. So it's not the best at rendering these open environments that they need. You know, you can't be driving across a bridge with fighter jets flying over you in Quake, you know? Yeah. I mean, even the fact that they were doing vehicle segments was pretty ambitious back then. Well, like we talked about in the Half-Life episode, that's why they edited that engine to almost fucking being brand new, because there's a lot that wasn't involved. Like, I remember exactly. I talked about how you yeah. cut off the back of the map to make it render quicker. Like, Valve yes. literally yeah. at this moment was still figuring out how to do that and convert yeah. the Quake engine to an open world. Like, there's no fucking way these guys were going to do that. You know? Well, they tried, <laughs> but they just couldn't get the Quake 2 engine. But it's funny, Randy mentions vehicle segments, because... There is another new big boy engine company on the block with a game known for vehicle segments and more open environments. That's right, Unreal. (laughs) So, not two weeks after this E3 footage is shown off and blows everybody away, they get together and they decide... 
just scrap the whole thing. <laughs> We're just going to start over on Unreal because this it's a more yeah, realistic. Have you seen this shit? <laughs> it's a more realistic looking engine. It's better suited for those open environments. You can do vehicle segments in it. Yeah. So right after everybody was like, this Duke Nukem game looks dope. 3D Realms then comes out in late June 1998, right after E3. George Broussard announces they're switching engines to Unreal and assures That's the press bold. that this will not lead to delays. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love this how could that even, like How could yeah. you even say that? That was a lie. <laughs> no uh, shit. According to others on the team, the game was scrapped entirely and restarted from the beginning. <laughs> Look, we're going to put out the game on time. Yes, we are deleting everything and starting over. <laughs> But I do promise yeah. that it will still be the original date as if we had done all this work already for months and months. I also love their... Any questions? No, thank you. <laughs> like, it's totally comparable to Duke Nukem as a personality and the way that these games are developed to just see what other people are doing and then just try and replicate it or just change your entire fucking, like... Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think Duke they saw... Nukem's like the offspring of video game <laughs> characters. Like, he's just a mashup of a bunch of different, you know, mm-hmm. like, movie characters. Like, it's just like, it's just like then they saw Half-Life coming out, like, a year later, and they're like, oh, shit, we should... Like, Hold on. Oh, my God. We'll get there. But, flash forward a couple years, George Rossard reassured everybody, no delays. But by I the bet end, on my son's life. By the end of 1999, <laughs> the game had somehow vanished. It had missed several milestones, and even some release date estimates within the community. The game was nowhere close to finished at this point. Most of their new wacky weapons were still concept art, had not been implemented whatsoever. The freeze gun wasn't work? It wasn't functional? A lot of their environments were not done, and the team was beginning to face a lot of criticism for their lengthy development time. You gotta (sighs) think, this was two and a half years after announcement. Yeah. You don't do that in the late 90s. But George Broussard responded to this criticism by saying, this is the price paid for developing complex modern games. But... <laughs> Sorry, just knowing the end to all this as, makes I this... know. His quotes are so good in, in context. <laughs> I know. The team had another yeah. theory as to why this game kept getting delayed. George Broussard. You see, George Broussard wanted his game to be cutting edge. He wanted it to be modern. He wanted it to blow every other game that came out when it was released out of the water. The problem when you take two years to develop your game is that the ideas you start with are not modern two years later. Especially in that era. Especially in that era, Just evolving all the time. Like the 2000s, absolutely. But the team would often implement something. George Broussard would come into the office and say, scrap it, we got something new. And the team had a running joke. We got a turret sequence. Who else has got that? The team often joked that in order order to finish Duke Nukem Forever, they would need to strap George Broussard in a chair and prevent him from seeing any new video games since everything he saw that he liked had to be put into Duke Nukem Forever in one way or another. It's just like, I just imagine the box art, but it's just all stolen from like Half-Life and GoldenEye. Yeah, and like, like they just photoshopped like, yeah. really just badly. Gordon Freeman with Master Chief's helmet on. Duke Nukem is just the Terminator. But like, <laughs> is this in 2000? This is late 99. Okay. And we're almost at 2000. Almost at the turn of the millennium. In the beginning of 2000, George Broussard... <laughs> He heard about Halo, and then he sees another new. No. <laughs> Check it out. What if Duke Nukem is just like top-down isometric, and you run around and you fight Diablo? <laughs> it's like Grand Theft Auto, well, Ocarina of Time. George uh, Broussard did play a new video game. Uh oh. A little game named Unreal the Tournament. Sims. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he realized something, which was these are the people that are making our engine. They we could get one. the new version yeah. of the engine, and we could add multiplayer just like they did. He fell for this once already with the, the, the Quake uh, So engine. he decides to upgrade to the new Unreal Engine, this time designed for multiplayer as well as single player. Is this Unreal 2? Or This with would be Unreal money? Championship, or Unreal Tournament. Unreal, okay. Yeah, actually, this would yeah, be with, Unreal 2. What is their budget? Or this would be this Unreal 1.5, I guess, technically. Okay. What is their budget? Well, <laughs> they don't have a budget. Their budget is whatever money Duke Nukem 3D made. Okay. It's all a million copies. <laughs> anyway, the team was not happy with this decision and started getting frustrated, stating that I often can imagine. in interviews and internet forums, stating that George Broussard has no plan <laughs> for what Duke Nukem Forever will look like when it's finished. He has no idea what he's doing. And this game will never come out. But I'm telling you, there's going to be skateboards. There's going to be a little bird in your backpack on your back. It's going to be zombies. I'm thinking maybe adding this little uh, wallaby guy from this other game. Imagine if it was your job. Like, you just come to the office. You're like, yo, guys, I played Tony Hawk 2 last night. And what if the Duke was on a skateboard? Well, here's where the problem starts to get a little bit worse. You see... GT Interactive was a hands-off publisher. They were going to be handling marketing and they were going to be taking a cut, but they didn't they don't give know a shit. Market. <laughs> they didn't give a shit yeah. what they were doing. They were like, Duke Nukem 3D was successful. It'll come out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they shut down. Turns out oh. that when you spend that much money to gain the marketing rights to a game that never comes out, you don't end up making any profit. Turns out so they were business. purchased by... And they, just, they were just left with a voicemail box full of uh, George saying, like, look, I played this Donald Duck going Quackers game. I'm thinking <laughs> if we add some of this in a Duke Nukem, <laughs> boop, just all over and over. Yeah, I played the Aladdin we'll slap game. Mario hats on everyone. It's- Duke Nukem throws apples now. <laughs> they were purchased by Infograms. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. And with that, the new that little swirly logo. The new owners right. of Duke Nukem's marketing rights and publishing rights became Infograms. Infograms. They're burden. Not fans of having a notoriously long in the tooth delayed game on their books. So they passed publishing rights off to Texas-based gathering of developers. Hey, our old friends. Our old friends. Duke Nukem being in the same family as the guy game makes total sense to me. Yeah. (laughs) I know Duke Nukem is killing cops, but I picture him having a Blue Lives Matter sticker on his car. Yeah, just kind of like Punisher. Like, you know, like... Yeah. Duke Nukem definitely has the thin blue line Punisher skull (laughs) sticker on his vehicle. (laughs) On his truck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With the Monster Energy logo for the teeth. So, so, right, so rightfully so, infograms. So they're just like, we need to get rolling on this. No, they're just like, give it to these guys. Oh, I don't right. want to deal with fucking George Broussard, which makes sense. <laughs> right, sorry. This is like their attitude at first. And then when they realize that it's like, hey, this isn't coming together. Yeah. You fuckers do but, it. But, you know, this shuffle of rights was public knowledge and only served to frustrate fans a little bit more. You see, they hadn't seen this game since 1998, still waiting for it. And now they're hearing from companies that are like, we don't want that. That game's never coming out. (laughs) So, to placate the masses, George Broussard prepares another trailer in his new engine, this time for E3 2001. And this trailer was epic. It featured a fully rendered Las Vegas, tons of interactivity, Duke Mm. Nukem riding donkeys and throwing grenades at people, flying in spaceships. There's military men's and busty schoolgirls begging for Duke's help. (sighs) Couple that all with a really crazy physics engine, some Unreal-style real-time lighting. And this trailer 
instead of placating fans, sent them into a frenzy. <laughs> it can all be summed up by this quote I found from IGN. I'm sure this will be good. Characters come to life with picturesque facial animations that are synced perfectly with the speech. Hair that swings as they bob their heads. <laughs> eyes that follow gazes and more. Boobs. Sound that- familiar? To any rep episodes we did recently? (laughs) (laughs) The particle effect system, meanwhile, boasts impressive explosion effects with shimmering fire, shattering glass, and blood splattered in every direction. Add in the real-time lighting effects, interactive environments, and variation in locales unequaled in any other first-person shooter, and you begin to understand why Duke Nukem Forever has been one of the most hotly anticipated titles over the last couple of years. Yo, oof. Hail to the king, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, depending on who you are and how you look at it, the trailer was very good for the game, but also very bad for the game. You see, fans were more excited than ever. And if you go back and watch this trailer on YouTube, there are still comments. I found a comment from two (laughs) fucking weeks ago where a guy was like, I want to play this version of the game. (laughs) Fans were more excited than ever. The team was thrilled to have the fans back on their side. Yeah, Yeah, and then if they put the game out next week, that would be fine. (laughs) Well, yeah, here's the thing. The team was excited because they thought that this push would be the push that George Broussard finally needed to get a plan together and finish this fucking game. Boy, Um, were they wrong. (laughs) So, the trailer, however, ended with another line that will become infamous in this whole story that will be spread like wildfire around the internet. (laughs) More than the name of this game. At the end of the trailer, there is simply white text on a black background that just says, when it's it's done. done. That is what it said on screen. Uh, Any thoughts, Duke? Classic. Quit wasting my time. (laughs) I agree. The the name of this episode either has to be when it's done or just blow it out your ass. (laughs) (laughs) And here's where the only sad part of the story comes into play. We were getting all cheeky. We're getting into around 2003 now. Okay. Y'all do picture them just all being juggalos, correct? Or is oh, it yeah. just me? <laughs> no, okay. I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, gathering of developers, one of its co-founders named Doug Myers died. and Yeah, I was ga- going to mention that on the guy game one, but I left that out. Gathering of developers was then shut down, or their offices were shut down, and they were absorbed into Take-Two Interactive. Yes. Yeah. I think they still own the rights to a lot is of going games. to lead to a lot of problems for George Broussard, because George Broussard has been skating by with nobody coming being like, hey, where's this fucking game? But now he's dealing with the people who fucking who make video games. Yeah. Now he's dealing with Take Two, who owns Two K and Rockstar. Look, like yeah. I'll be there soon. Look, I just heard about this game where this red Italian guy has a water backpack, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a great addition to Duke Nukem. Take Two is going to come into the office, and all these employees are just sitting there with their legs up on their desks, like twiddling their thumbs. Now, watching pornography. In I 2003, it was reported that 3D realms had not grown with the times. You see, mm-hmm. we're in the age of teams becoming big, right? We're talking yeah. 50 developers. Now it's like 5,000, but you know, we're talking 100 developers for like a big game and Duke Nukem Forever at the time was a big game. So yeah, and you're mentioning like 0304 territory with shit like Halo 2 and Half-Life 2 like Exactly. Those teams were <laughs> It's like what the way fuck bigger. is this they, thing anymore? As Chris covered in the Valve episode like Valve fucking expanded between yeah. Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2 they expanded. For sure. 30 realms, not so much. Mm-hmm. They had a team of 18 people working on Duke Nukem Forever. <sighs> And a lot of people on the team were quoted... It's coming out on time still. <laughs> ...were quoted as saying this is a very 1995 mentality. A mentality that was completely at odds with the new school of publisher-led 
game development. And while George Broussard was touting his when it's done line, Take-Two CEO Jeffrey Lappin told shareholders he saw the game, that game's not coming out in 2003. <laughs> and that Take-Two was then writing off $5.5 million in earnings due to Duke Nukem Frether's lengthy development time, which elicited the following response from George Broussard. Take-Two needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> We don't want Take-Two saying stupid-ass things in public for the sole purpose of helping their stock. It's our time, our money, and we are spending it on the game. So they think we're either absolutely stupid and clueless, or we believe in what we are working on. All right. Jeffrey Lapine then had a meeting with George Broussard, and George Broussard then assured him that the game would be ready in late 2004, early 2005. And by this point, like, 05 is, you're on the brink of new generation hardware. Like, I don't know at this point if there were ever even console versions of this I mean, at this point, Duke Nukem 3D had been on... It was, but I didn't know, for, I didn't know and, if Forever was like, it's coming to PS2 or whatever. I don't know if they ever got I that think far. It was, wow, WoW is about to come out, and they're sitting with four <laughs> And the people. Xbox 360 yeah. is, is, is a 05. Yeah, yeah, is 05. Like, we're talking about a game that came out on the original PlayStation, and the 360 is about to come out. But... <laughs> We then have GameSpot receives a rumor that Duke Nukem Forever is once again switching engines. This time, they're switching from Unreal back to id Tech for id's new Doom 3 engine. <laughs> when they, did Doom 3 come out? Around 2004, okay. 2005, I think. Fuck that game. They reached out to George Broussard <laughs> for okay. comp. They reached out to George Broussard for comment. I think he either didn't respond or told them to go fuck themselves. Either one sounds like him. They ran the rumor that the Doom 3 engine was the new Duke Nukem Forever engine. Then Mm -hmm. George Broussard came out and told them to go fuck themselves and that none of it was true, (laughs) which it wasn't. They were still using Unreal. Yeah. Because they wanted Duke Nukem to be able to hold a flashlight and a pistol (laughs) at the same time. I knew that joke was coming. (laughs) But there was a new engine. It wasn't a graphics engine, however. It was a physics engine. Can anybody on the podcast think of any games that came out in 2004 with advanced <laughs> physics engines? Uh, nothing's coming to mind. It's no? really weird. Yeah. It is World of Warcraft, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Burnout Half-Life 3. Half-Life 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, man. They switched to a new physics engine made by some Swedish company, and we're going to redo the entire physics of the game. Closed-door demos of this new physics engine claim that the game's new physics were superior in every way to the subject of our last couple episodes, Half-Life 2, <laughs> which only improved to excite the fans, if there are even fans at yeah, this point. Wh- like, who? I don't, who can I don't even... know who these people are, it's but like the there are people still excited. revolutionary game in terms of physics ever made, and they're like, yo, we're going to be better than that. All yes. 18 18- people working real hard. Now, these closed door demos were not shown, but they were talked about on the internet and people are like, fuck, dude, we're going to see some shit at E3 2005. This is it, dude. How? This How are is people it. People still excited. <laughs> people are still excited about the old version of Duke Nukem Forever to this day, and the game came out and it's garbage. What, but, if, what if it's like we see the real Duke Nukem Forever and it just like drops the butthole cut? I want the Duke Nukem Forever butthole <laughs> cut. That's like the people out there who think that the actual Metal Gear Solid oh, Five dude, is still going to come out. What if they start a hashtag called yeah. "Release the Broussard Cut"? <laughs> you think that'll think will go viral? Oh my god, I want to do that. Dude, I'm still I'm, try. I'm yeah. still holding out for the real Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5, Tony Hawk Pro Skater it's V. It's not happening, yeah. dude. Tony Hawk's dead. He's not dead. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, he gives his phone number out on Twitter. That's it's true. Tony Hawk rules. Yeah. Anyway, so like there's this new physics engine. The game hasn't been seen publicly since, since 2001. Yeah. So 2005, like 
we gotta see this game, right? There's more talk about it's still in development. There's more talk about it than ever, right? <laughs> well, <sighs> so 2005's E3 rolls around. There's something that I've left out to this point. This script used to be like 15 pages long. Yeah. Because 3D Realms had not one, but two projects in development hell. Oh, you're going to get into... Uh... I am. Yeah. The other one was 2006's Prey. Cool. Now being developed by Human Head Studios. That was the game that 3D Realms went to E3 for in 2005, not Duke Nukem Forever. That makes sense. Which confused and, and people. Prey was also a game that was in development for a long time that was exactly. restarted and now, shit. Yeah. Originally, I was going to cut to an explanation of Prey. The script got way too long. Look forward to an episode all about Prey, Prey 2, and the Prey reboot Hell in yeah. the future because that is its own <laughs> wild fucking story. I mean, story. I, don't, I don't like that reboot, but. No, I, uh, me either. But I, uh, uh, the original have, game is cool, though. The Speaking cool. of butthole cuts. <laughs> There, there are the butthole doors. <laughs> the butthole doors. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, that was the first time I ever saw like portal technology and yeah. stuff. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of cool shit in that game. There are, and it reminds me of Duke Nukem. It does. In, yeah. Not in the tone or the characters, yeah. but just in the weird weapons and environments um, and stuff. But Prey is shown off. Prey then comes out in 2006. We're now mm-hmm. in the 360 era. Yeah. Great opener in that We're game. We're also in 2006, which is now one decade Past the release of Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, it, we're, we're all right. Yeah. What else happened in 2006? Like Oblivion? Pfft. All right, check it out. Duke Nukem's going to meet the guy named Master Chief. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I'd be uh, excited for Halo 3 when... Now, George Broussard, again, at E3, is asked about Duke Nukem and says, The game is mostly finished. The goal now is, is to put it all together and make it fun. Now, what? here's here's where we get into two things that Randy specifically has been waiting for. <laughs> Take-Two has come out and announced that the deal with 3D Realms about Duke Nukem has been renegotiated. Mm. Originally, they were going to take $6 million for publishing Duke Nukem. They're now going to take $4.25 million. And on top of that $4.25, if the game is finished by December 31st, yes. 2006, they will receive... A $500,000 bonus. Nothing like a little incentive. Yeah, to get everybody yeah. to... George Broussard declines. Yep. Saying that he would never ship a game early. We know, dude. We know. Now, or at all. <laughs> now. He said when it's done again. This is a clip from... I love this. Former hot button character, subject, whatever... Jeff Gersman on The Hot Spot, which is GameSpot's podcast at the time before our episode happened where he formed Giant Bomb. Yes. This is him after E3 2006. Hot Spot or On the Spot? This is... It says The Hot Spot. Okay. This is him and a couple other characters from that episode from his GameSpot days talking about Duke Nukem Forever right after E3 2006. So, word of warning, this clip is like six minutes long. I'm going to play the first three minutes, so it's going to be kind of a long clip, but... (laughs) I don't think we could summarize better than people who were there on the front lines of this thing. So, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Keep up on the stock tips and SEC filings and everything. And in a take two filing with the SEC, it was revealed that 3D Realms has a $500,000 incentive to finish Duke Nukem forever by the end of this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Right. So it's going to happen, right? Um, not a, I mean, not according to, to George Bouchard. Half a million yeah. dollars. Why wouldn't you finish it, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's money. That's bank. That's totally bank. Right. What, what did George Bouchard say, Brad? He said, "Nah." Okay. He said, "When it's done." Yeah, basically. <laughs> he, he, yeah. Said, he, he said, "He said the, the 3D Realms company line at this point. When it's done, yeah. It's been yeah. in development since 1997. Uh, yeah, at this and point, and apparently they just got the guns working. 
what's what's another year or two when it's been almost a decade in there? Yeah, I, I, at this. Why? Why would? Okay. <laughs> well, here it comes. Here it comes. Imagine how much time at 3D Realms has been wasted keeping this game current with the times. If they are still actually working on it and still planning on releasing it, this game was like the Quake 2 engine at some point. Yep. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> what could they possibly be doing to admit that this game is not done yet? I've said it a thousand times. The game is a lie. It never existed. Yeah. It is a way to get money out of Activision like the, to we, keep George Broussard's internet porn collection going. This, like, seriously. Okay, they, they probably generated assets three or four times and had to dump them all or go back to them all because they just weren't good enough anymore. Think about how far games have come since 1997. We do have screenshots in a trailer up on the site, which I think might have been from E3 2001. From like 99 or, or 2000, 2000, yeah, 98 like that. or 99. Well, at yeah. that point, I think it was using like the Unreal 1 or Unreal, Unreal Tournament, I think, is the engine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so like, I, I heard I was on a bus with some people that work in the video game business uh-huh. at some pre-E3 event like three years ago. <laughs> and I heard one guy turn to the other and go, you know, I got to go see Duke Nukem forever. It's, it's looking all right. And that was three years ago, and it's still not out. <laughs> so even if what he saw then looked good, how could it possibly look good now? They have to be doing like the most amazing, not a generic first-person shooter gameplay with that, or they need to be riding the, the bleeding edge of technology. But I just can't imagine they're doing either at this point, and it's just ridiculous. The game will come out, it will be $20. And, you know, of course, anytime anyone says anything about Duke Nukem Forever other than like, I can't wait for it to come out, dude, or I don't care, there's always George Broussard going like, oh, you'll see. Well, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I will. Maybe we will all see. I think, yeah. I think we're starting to see some cracks in the facade in the last few months. Yeah. If you've, if you've kept up with any of the comments, he's been because he's always speaking out on message boards and stuff. Because he has that much time, apparently. Apparently. Sure. Yeah. And lately, he hasn't been defending the game quite as hard. Yeah, there, well. there have been a couple of quotes, like uh, some magazine got to go see the game a few months ago, and they've got him quoted in there being just like, "We at this point, we just want to get the game done." Well, then and- what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh. Don't yell at me. What's Three Realms uh, doing? Are they? Are they- All right, so I think the rest of that's about prey. Yeah, <laughs> there's a great part of there when I think it's Rich when he's just like, "Well, we'll hear more about Duke Nukem forever soon," and Jeff's just like, "No, we won't." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize Brad mentioned the line, the yep. like the when it's done. Yeah, <laughs> that really and, should uh, be the title. Yeah, anyway. and Jeff Gersman is not the only one at this point who is becoming frustrated with all the delays and the long development time. You see, the staff was becoming frustrated with the delays. Yeah, you really. You think about the fact that there are some people on this staff who have been working on this game <laughs> since 1997. And restarting this Their game. Their resumes yeah. are fucked. Oh, I didn't even think about because that. Because they haven't worked on a fully modern game <sighs> yet. Like you want to go work for another company, and they're like, "Okay, yeah. well, like, what's the what's the pipeline of of published works that you have? <laughs> it's just this one fucking game for, like, so, you know, <laughs> for every person that they managed to hire, which was not a lot, people were leaving and basically rebooting their careers. Yeah, they're like, I, I'll work on I anything, ship, just yeah. not fucking this, this. <laughs> but through the years, we will not hear about this game again for a couple of years. No, yeah, this went silent for a while it after did. this. For 2006, nothing. 2007, the team hires a new creative director, a man by the name of Raphael Von Lirup. 
What's he from? I don't I don't know. But he went in expecting the worst and he came out and said basically the game is actually a lot more complete than I was expecting. Huh. He said huh. had a meeting with George Broussard and said, "Dude, you're almost done. Just finish it." Yeah. George Broussard shot him down. Told what him year is this? 2007. Told him right, that hold on, let's see, uh, 2008 video games. Uh, no, he couldn't put it out because he was busy trying to implement a character creator <laughs> where you started a cell as Duke Nukem's cell and you worked your way all the way to Duke Nukem in space. Now I just imagine old Duke Nukem's cell, but it's still his voice coming out of the cell. <laughs> George Broussard told Raphael that the game is at least two years away. From completion. Two years? Two years. Uh, Google Video Games 2010. <laughs> like, uh, why? <laughs> he was busy hoping that John Marston would help out Duke Nukem. <laughs> then, in, uh, in the holiday season of 2007, once again, to placate the fans. Yeah, an otherwise very quiet year for games, you know. Duke Nukem yeah. Forever receives its first trailer in six years since 2001. I think I downloaded this trailer on my 360. And it shows Duke Nukem sitting on a weight bench lifting weights in a completely black room, <laughs> okay. smoking a cigar. Yes, I, it, I do remember It ends this. with a logo and the following phrase uttered by the man himself. What'd you expect? Forever's a long time, bitch. <laughs> the, 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 bitch the, the bitch at the end, really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought at the end it was just going to be white text to be like, it'll be done, fuck you. <laughs> Not that far off. So, again, the game goes quiet. And then in 2008, we have the Jace Hall show. I don't know if anybody remembers this show, but it was like a guy named Jason Hall who's kind of like a Jeff Keeley. I don't want to say wannabe because he was all right, but like... okay. He had his own show where he would like go behind doors, did he close have, doors, and stuff like what that. What else did he have a background in? Was he a it's poor just guy YouTube. Just... I think he might have been part of Destructoid. Okay, I like Destructoid. Yeah, but the first episode of his show goes online and gets a lot of views because it contains what appears to be handicam footage of the entire first level of Duke Nukem Forever but, being played. Oh, weird. Apparently, he went and saw the game, and there was some miscommunication that he was going to show it on the show. George Broussard didn't exactly know that, but George Broussard came out again on a, like an internet forum and confirmed that, yes, this footage is real, it's an old build, was not intended for public viewing, and that multiple systems and <laughs> engines of the game have been updated since then. No, no, this game was never supposed to come out. Like... <laughs> yeah. Not this, no, not this one. <laughs> the game was expected at E3 2008 after this footage is leaked. Again, a no-show. This mm -hmm. time, George Broussard claiming E3 is irrelevant. I was high. Oh, <laughs> now, I was high when I said that. I don't... We will have an episode coming up since the world is in chaos and nobody's allowed to leave their houses. E3 was supposed to happen. It has been canceled this year. We will have yeah. an E3 special where I go through the history of E3. And tune into that episode if you want to find out why That's gonna be fun. maybe George Broussard's not exactly wrong in claiming that E3 2008 specifically is irrelevant, because that was the year <sighs> that the show... could more boring than E3? <laughs> the history of E3. I love E3. <laughs> I know, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> I know, but I understand what you're saying, Austin. It was like, there was a couple years they had that, things were in limbo, and mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. they, they shifted where they held it, and... The scoped it down and then ramped it back but, up. Um, well, that's why I just think it's weird that he said that. And I guess it's not weird, but E3 kind of bounced back really hard for. It, a he's few not years wrong after that. that E3 2008 specifically was irrelevant. He is, however, 
very hypocritical in calling somebody else irrelevant. Just say Well, that. yeah, he has no fucking leg to stand on exactly. with that statement. If that came from someone else... It... Here is why he might be a little bit more hypocritical than even you think in calling something irrelevant. <laughs> That'd be hard. See, <laughs> yeah, convince me. Duke Nukem 3D did well. Yeah. We all know this. But maybe not well enough to fund game development for 11 fucking years. Uh, no. So... <laughs> With no help from any publishers, because Why? who wants a publisher yeah, trying to force you to finish your game? Game a hot potato in the industry. Like the funding had dried up. Estimates say that Scott Miller and George Broussard had spent around twenty million dollars developing Duke Nukem Forever, and that the game was finally nearing completion. So they asked marketer to do what a publisher is supposed to do. They asked Take Two for six million dollars to finish the game. Take Two initially agreed. They saw the game, and then countered. With another offer, $2.5 million to finish the game and another $2.5 million bonus awarded upon completion. If you listen to our Gearbox episode, you will know that Take-Two does this a lot. They do award bonuses on completion rather than funding development, but they do fund development. (laughs) Just call it the Duke Nukem clause. Uh, Does anybody want to take a guess at what George Broussard had to say about that offer? Blow it up your ass. (laughs) Chris nailed it. George Broussard rejected the offer outright, and on May 9th, 2009, with a nearly defunct company and no money left, George Broussard suspended development of Duke Nukem Forever. Officially. Wow. This is like only a couple of years prior to it coming out. Now, question, do you think this is going to delay the release of the game? Absolutely uh, not. Pro- probably not, but Duke has <laughs> okay. something to say. Get back to work, you slacker. <laughs> I, that's just taken from St. John when he comes into the office yeah. like once every fucking six as, months. As a part of this announcement that the development is now suspended, 3D Realms releases a package of unreleased footage, concept art, assets, other things, and says, like, thanks for your support over yeah. the years for caring about this game. All that stuff was hosted on GameSpot for a while. Uh, a lot and of, IGN, a lot of em- Obviously, a lot of employees are let go, fired, laid off would be the proper term. Uh, yeah. yeah. Frozen, shrunk, this, stepped on. Yeah, this leads to a exploded. lot more unreleased footage and assets because employees took shit home with them and then just released it. They're like, I've been working on this forever. I want someone to see it. So over the next few weeks, months, years even, a lot of stuff is leaked of what Duke Nukem Forever was in its later days, including one reel of footage that a specific person put together to put on their resume. Because, like, I've been working on this one game, but here's all the shit I did. That gets released, and then people mistake it for another trailer (laughs) uh, and think that the game is still in development. It is not. (laughs) It has been suspended, but that caused a bit of an issue, and that guy was forced to take it down by 3D Realms, who is still a company mm. at this point. They are still a company. They just don't have any employees. I feel so, like you need those. All you need is a CEO, dude. And a logo. And a logo. <laughs> but there's one specific partner in this whole thing who's none too happy about the suspended development. Take two, file the lawsuit against 3D Realms over breach of contract. Yeah, you I, was, see, I was waiting for this. When you work for a publisher, they got to cancel your game. You can't just be like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> because if you're under contract to finish that game, you got to finish that game. Yeah. And they wanted the money that they paid. Apparently, they paid Infograms $12 million to acquire the publishing rights to Duke Nukem. Wow. It's not a... 
3D Realms counters in this lawsuit claiming, I don't give a shit what you paid Infograms. You never gave me any money for development. And when I asked for it, you gave me a shitty offer and it was rejected and now game development suspended. So you didn't actually pay for development. So you can't tell us that we never filled the contract because the contract was for marketing. I love how direct and aggressive all of our quotes are. Your beef. It's not not the worst point. (laughs) No, it's not. They're still both dicks. Yeah. Your beef is with Infograms or Atari or whatever the fuck they're called now. <laughs> One of the many iterations of Atari. Yeah. And the lawsuit was eventually dismissed. Okay. And here's the thing. Yeah. The game development was officially suspended. However, it was not being developed internally at 3D Realms, but a couple of the team members still cared about the game. <laughs> and they had like decided work rogue or like to what? continue working from home on Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, these employees would later realize that like they're like, hey, we still like working together. Let's form a new independent game company. They form Triptych Games, and That's then they say, let's wholesome. make this official. So they get some office space. They get some office space in Texas. Specifically, they get some office space in the same building the- as yet another subject of Hot Button, Gearbox Studios. Yes. For more uh, on these guys, check out our two-parter. Enter another idiot who's always playing with himself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that asshole in a second. Uh, this is when what is left of 3D Realms, basically just Scott Miller, approaches Gearbox CEO and former Duke Nukem developer and noted asshole Randy Pitchford about helping Triptych finally finish this game. Randy Pitchford straps on his fancy pants, gets up on his high <laughs> horse, and announces... In a statement that I covered in the Borderlands episode, but I will reiterate here, Duke can't die, and I will (laughs) help Duke in his time of need. Uh, If you want to hear that full statement, listen to our episode on Gearbox, our two-parter, for way more info on why I'm calling him noted asshole. You can even Google some shit that happened after we did that episode, which I'm sure we'll get to in a recap sometime. That dude sucks. (laughs) The alien marines can't die. (laughs) I will help them in their time of need. I mean, really, who else is going to stick up for Duke Nukem? (laughs) It's true. It's kind of a match made in heaven. Yeah, on the playground. (laughs) Now, Gearbox officially announces the partnership at PAX West 2010. And for the first time in the history of this 13-year development at this point, (sighs) Duke Nukem Forever is playable by the public. There is a demo available on the pack show floor yep. where people can play Duke Nukem. This is the demo I downloaded. No, it's not. Wait, and really? It's a different? Yes. Okay. Randy Pitchford touted bad. that the lines are four hours long, which he makes seem impressive. I waited souls. five hours long in line to play Last of Us at PAX. It's not that impressive. PAX is not that well managed. Uh, <laughs> the well, lines well, can yeah. get four hours and long. And not only that, but like we've been to PAX multiple times, and there are booths like it could be hours to play anything. There's so many people and so Basically, little space. Basically, any of the AAA games, they cap it at a certain amount of people depending on how long the game yeah, is, depends yeah, yeah. on how long the line I think is. We the did Last the of Us demo was long. So. We, we went to like go play, what was it, Splatoon, and it was capped, and then we just came back Sunday and <laughs> waited in line for 20 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. But part of this announcement also, Gearbox had officially purchased the Duke Nukem license from 3D Realms. What do you think they paid for that? I don't know, $12 million? (laughs) Maybe less. Who knows? But that's what 2K paid in 2001 or whatever, so... And 2K, Borderlands publisher and noted subsidiary of Mm Take-Two, was set to finally publish Duke Nukem Forever. Gearbox got to work 
They help Triptych polish their mostly complete game. Yeah, polish. That's and with George Broussard completely of. out of the way, the game was officially given a launch date. <sighs> uh, a separate demo from the PAX demo was released on Steam and on Xbox 360, yeah. which me and Randy played, and I remember very vividly, it is garbage. I felt like I got totally swindled because I actually thought that the re-announcement trailer of Duke Nukem Forever was kind of funny. It was very yeah. merry, meta, and self-aware. I think that what is it ends with the Duke Nukem being like, after 14 fucking years, it better be ready. Like, yeah. uh-huh. Not the best Duke Nukem impression, exactly. but you know what I mean. That was Bart Simpson saying that. <laughs> And then what is it? We downloaded that demo, and I don't know if I'm ranting about this a little too early, because this is my... I will get to the reviews of it in a second, but give your opinions now. Uh, My opinion of that demo. That is one of the worst edited piece of biggest air quotes possible comedy I've ever interacted with. Like, I mentioned this in the intro, but all of the humor was just, like, grossly outdated and just terribly, terribly unfunny. Oh, oh, hell yeah. But you know what really is a good punchline to a joke in a video game? To do a fade-out. Like, like I know that's hard to describe in this audio format of a podcast, but it's like, imagine your favorite joke in a movie or a television show and have it fade to black for 10 seconds afterwards. Like, it just really gives you time to think about how unfunny the joke yeah, was. Yeah, like, it just kills all momentum. And I'm only, like, talking about the specifics of the writing of this fucking game, not the, like, way that it felt and the way that it played and the way that it looked and oh, the way we'll, that it we'll sounded. Like, it's just... I have a quote that is literally almost the rest of my script from Kotaku uh, (laughs) I'll get to in a second oh it's just miserable that demo comes out (laughs) then the game is given the release date of May 3rd 2011 15 years and some change after Duke Nukem 3D holy shit the game receives one final delay for some (laughs) polish yeah you keep saying polish and the game comes (laughs) the game comes out officially launches June 10th, 2011 internationally, and June 14th, 2011 in the United States. Yep, for PC, 360, and PS3. Yep. And the I game, hope you like QuickTime events. The game was released to negative reception. Let's I call would it. call it abysmal. Currently oh. sits at around a 49.50, depending on platform on Metacritic. That's too high. It is way too high. <laughs> like, um, it is. It's also got a 6 yeah. out of 10 on Steam. The that games, is way, way too high. This is going to be my summary of the following sites I could find. GamesRadar, Xplay, Eurogamer, IGN, Kotaku, GameSpot. The there were games, a lot of threes. I remember Xplay giving it a one. Yeah. The game shooting was flat and uninspired. It yep. felt antiquated. Accurate. The game suffered from many bugs, technical yeah. problems, inconsistent graphics throughout and extremely long load times yes oh my god Uh, there were a lot of valve inspired physics puzzles (laughs) and a lot of valve inspired platforming in a game released the same fucking year as portal 2 (laughs) oh my Uh, god yeah and not the end portal 2 was also released in the spring as well so it wasn't even like (laughs) this is also not even including the edgy humor the absolute disgusting view that oh, this game God. has on women. Yeah, I didn't even get into the misogyny of this thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. It's so... But here's the thing. I hope you like rape This jokes. all sounds like a game from the 90s, right? So what if you're such a big Duke Nukem fan that you're like, I want an old Duke Nukem-style game in the age of Call of Duty and Battlefield. Military and shooters were huge at this yeah, time. It I was... want something different. Yeah. Well, I'm going to toss to Luke Plunkett at Kotaku, and this is a long quote, but okay. bear with me. All right. This is from his review. Duke Nukem Forever single-player campaign is an old game. 
One example is a series of puzzles you must complete toward the end of the game. Rearranging steam valves in order to clear a path through a level. At Yo, one point, <laughs> Duke grumbles, man, I hate valve puzzles. It's supposed <laughs> to be a joke, and yet it comes off as anything but. People love valve puzzles. Games like Half-Life 2 and Portal are intelligent and well-integrated mm-hmm. with all their puzzles. Duke Nukem Forever's puzzles are bland and interrupt what little momentum the game is ever capable of mustering with its completely broken pacing. <laughs> Worse still is the influence of Halo. Old school shooters, and this is definitely trying to be one of those, have basic AI and a lack of cover mechanics, but they always had yeah. two great things going for them, speed and a ridiculous arsenal of weapons. Yeah, I should have mentioned this. You'd be uh, carrying six of, to eight guns games. around with you at any one time, and when the need arose, you switch between them, all while spinning madly around a level. Forever excuse this in favor of a plotting pace and the Halo 2-gun system. You can only carry two at any one time, so you have to pick and choose which of those you'll take with you and which of those you'll leave. Like the Valve puzzles, though, this is implemented terribly. In Halo, (laughs) weapons are left according to need and what is coming next. In Forever, they are absolutely not. Somewhere, sometime between 1997 and 2009, Duke Nukem went from being a walking man's man's parody of action movie stars to a monotone sex predator who makes decade-old pop culture observations and (laughs) WMG jokes as though they were still, by virtue of the game's development time, somehow relevant or witty. His gameplay has fared little better. Duke Nukem 3D, this title's predecessor, was a fast, well-designed shooter with intricacies and environmental interaction obscuring the fact that most people at the time actually enjoyed it for being a good shooter. Yet environmental sideshows like being able to throw a turd from a toilet or put a rat in a microwave are thrust center stage here, along with the greater emphasis on smut that existed only in the fringes of Duke Nukem 3D. Duke Nukem Forever revels in those misplaced priorities, confusing what made Duke Nukem 3D memorable at all and what made it enjoyable. As a game, it suffers as a result. Yep. Uh, hold on just a second. Can I read <laughs> yes. you this excerpt yeah, from really somebody's review of the game that they're giving it a thumbs up what? and they have 268 hours on record. <laughs> I just want to read this one part. Duke likes kicking ass, but he loves his babes more. And that's uh, that's just one little line from that. A lot of people blame Gearbox for this. It's like really not their fault that no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just Gearbox should be ashamed. Gearbox ruins aliens and Duke. <laughs> like all this shit is here. That person on Steam needs help because this game had no flow. Like I like no. I don't know how much of this game that you guys I personally played. The demo. played. I never played the game. Me, me this too. is this yeah. is another part of that it's... giant review. This is a touchy subject. Duke Nukem Forever's development took a few years. <laughs> That game almost feels like it was just mashed together, too. Like, so many disparate, like... Was this review helpful? I'm going to click the funny button. Wait, is that an option on there? (laughs) On Steam reviews? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It's bad. I know. It's got bad pacing. It's got bad humor. It's got bad gameplay. I almost can't find a single... But it is $4.99 right now. And we only touched upon it a little because it's no fun diving into it any deeper than that. But that game is disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not even like an edgy and an offense, like, you know, like oh, it, it's dive, offensiveness. I'll dive into it if it's, you want. It uh, is there just, is a section of the game that I had to read about in one of the reviews in which the aliens, the enemies of the game, kidnap enslave and impregnate women with alien babies and Duke Nukem has to go through a hive of pregnant 
busty women and kill them all to eviscerate their bodies before the alien eggs in their bellies hatch. And that is just one of many horrible, horribly misogynistic... Hilarious. (sighs) So, let's hear from our guest. Doesn't that game also (laughs) end with him running for the president, the 69th president of the United States, if I remember correctly? I don't know. Duke, do you have anything to say to these critics and to us who have been so harsh on your game? This really pisses me off. (laughs) I suck. Uh, I mean, it was an awful game. I don't know why you're so pissed off. (laughs) I'll rip your head off and shit down your neck. Uh, All right, dude. I think it's time for you to get the fuck out of here. You guys suck. (laughs) See you in hell. All right. And now that bit, just like the Duke Nukem franchise, is dead and buried. Hey, he ended up in in Bulletstorm. Yeah, he did. The funny thing about Bulletstorm, also a very immature game, but also, like, fun. Like, that game feels way more like a Duke Nukem. That's like a modernized Duke Nukem. And then you put Duke Nukem in it, and it... And then it makes it it unfunny and awful. De-ages it by, like, a decade. It does de-age it, yeah. That's the way Um, I'm putting it. I'm a big fan of Bulletstorm. That's one of my favorite little Bulletstorm's a blast. Bulletstorm didn't age particularly well in the humor department, but the game is fun as shit. The yeah. gameplay is fun it as feels, shit. I actually feels really good. don't remember yeah. anything about the story. I just remember like whipping things into spikes I mean, and yeah. shit like that. The thing that. about like, Bulletstorm is like, we're mentioning things like pace and flow, and that game flows like a stream. It's just fun. Absolutely. Yeah, like a very kinetic. Well, now that we're talking about Bulletstorm, what about Duke Nukem's legacy? Gearbox? Uh, oh, he's in Ready Player One. He is, you're right. <laughs> Uh, I think he's at the nightclub with uh, uh, Lara Croft, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Lara Croft, sorry. I hate you. <laughs> uh, That's Duke's legacy, You want to watch that tonight? <laughs> no. Okay. It's only like two hours and 45 minutes, dude. Ugh. The Battleborn characters are in it. <laughs> yeah, they are. They well, got, they got movies in Ready Player, Ready Player One. One. They could only get Tracer from Overwatch, but they got like half the cast of Battleborn yep. in there. Gearbox claims when they bought the franchise that they had plans for the franchise and that they weren't just buying it to publish Duke Nukem Forever. Turns out that their plans for the franchise were just... To put a bullet in it? To put him in Bulletstorm. Oh, yeah, yeah. A Gearbox employee is noted on a forum for having said that as of 2017, there are zero plans and zero interest with this franchise. Really? Yes. That, that's the most interesting part of the yep. Duke story is that, like, uh, of they course, know. knowing our luck here at Hot Button, Duke Nukem 5 will probably be announced in no, the time it gonna, takes to edit this episode. He's going to come out in Smash Brothers. Oh, Jesus in the fucking next Christ. Oh, I would hate that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the worst ever. But what if Sakurai just got so fed up for being overworked? He's just like a new character, y'all. Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> But <sighs> you want Sora, you losers? Here you go. As I mentioned before, this wasn't the fourth Duke Nukem game. There were a ton of spinoffs. I named them all before. Yeah, all yeah. announced, made, and released in the time it took to make Duke Nukem Forever. I think I played the Game Boy Advance one. Not to mention the fact that there were many mobile and handheld iterations, as well yeah. as numerous spinoffs that were started, announced, canceled <laughs> within that 15 years. Too many to list. The game, Duke Nukem Forever, sold 376,000 units in its first month. Uh, it was labeled as a disappointment yeah, that was by below both their fans and the companies publishing it. And that demo was a detriment. The yeah. game's sales expectations were around $3 million, which was slashed in half to $1.5 million, which it didn't even get half of that. <laughs> and despite this, 2K did come out and say that the game would end up being profitable somehow. I really? don't know how. Maybe it's just 
because they sold the rights to Gearbox oh, and they just okay. got it off their fucking books. Getting Duke off our hands. Uh, Say what you will about Duke or his final entry or the final quality of oh, Duke Nukem Forever. I will, I will. Uh, that's... <laughs> but the game is the stuff of gaming legend. This game was, mm. up until 2010, often featured on various lists of the top vaporware of all time, mm. up there with games like Beyond Good and Evil 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 3, and Rockstar's Agent. The game <laughs> is a joke the caliber of which not only the video game industry, but the entertainment industry has rarely ever encountered. <laughs> it's up there with disappointments that took decades, like Guns N' Roses' Chinese Democracy. <laughs> uh, the game holds the Guinness World Record for longest development period of a video game at 14 years and 44 days. That is the medal Duke deserves. From initial announcement to release, and that's a legacy that cannot be denied, regardless of the quality of the final product. Yeah. And as Duke would say, rest in pieces. <laughs> and blow it out your ass. Is that what he would say? Yes. And that my dear listeners, is the story of Duke Nukem Forever. So, I'm going to end on this. Do you think, does Duke ever get a redemption? No. You, like, we never could have predicted that Doom and Wolfenstein would have come back with, like, you know, such fucking yes, powerhouse reboots. do you reboots. trust Gearbox? Absolutely not. To handle that. But, like, do you think in, like, ten years when Gearbox eventually gets, you know, run out of town with pitchforks, if, like, somebody acquires that license? And I mean, then... there's a lot of indie games out there that are going for, like... I mean, Matt Hazard didn't exactly land either. Well, yeah. <laughs> indie is always, like, 15 years behind. You know, it becomes in vogue for an indie game to make a game that looks like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. We just got past the pixel art phase and we're now on to the people who are trying to remake those old immersive sim games from the PC era or like PS1 style graphics. We have, You're, that is true, you know, you yeah. have like the System Shock remake that's <laughs> yeah. coming out. You have, is it? Who knows? <laughs> but you have like Resident Evil style games that look like RE1. Yep. Yeah, I remember. So, I mean, there is a timeline in the string theory infinite timelines. <laughs> There's a timeline out there where like Gearbox is like, we're not doing anything with this and they just contract out an indie developer who made something Duke Nukem like and uh, you write it and then they handle Shadow it and it comes back I mean it's like imagine if for whatever reason tomorrow you were just given the Duke Nukem rights and you could do what with you wanted like unlimited resources whatever like how would you bring that back because and the only reason I bring this up is because I like I never would have guessed 10 years ago that they were going to make a fucking Judge Dredd movie and that would be like the best fucking thing ever made. Like, how would you fix the tone and make it something you else? Like, you can't save Duke as a character. How you make a Duke... What if he's like a washed up, just How like, you make a new Duke Nukem like, game is you just make him extremely depressed <laughs> and old and yeah. washed up and then you introduce a new set of characters and you just make Duke Nukem the butt of the entire joke. That that would be great. That's the What did Giant Bomb say where it's just make him a sidekick in a game that gets killed off immediately yeah. or something? There like, are ways to do it. There are people smarter and funnier than me who could handle writing something like that. <laughs> but that's a gargantuan task that I don't think yeah. anybody really wants to it's, take that's on. That's an undertaking that, like, yeah. what's the point, really, in the end? If you got Duke Nukem to shut the fuck up, there are ways <laughs> yeah. to make a Duke Nukem-style shooter that's fun nowadays. Yeah. Look 
look at Doom. Uh, totally, yeah. Yeah, and- I think there's a possibility to take what Doom did with the Doom 2016 reboot and make a Duke Nukem game that is fun and reboot the writing in a way that is self-referential and funnier. I yeah. don't think I could do it. I, no, I, I, I know Absolutely, I that's but- hard, but I think there's somebody out there that okay. totally could give Duke Nukem the Doom 2016 reboot and make it fun at least, and make it cheesy enough to be funny without being offensive or edgy. Right, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think Duke Nukem is overrated. It is. And one good game doesn't deserve you. Uh, the, <laughs> no, you're, you know, you're like, 100% right, because like, when I was talking about it earlier... Like, Duke, Duke Nukem is infamous. It's yeah. not fucking good. It's infamous. Duke Nukem 3D was a fun game, but as a concept, I don't know if anything in the video games industry has aged more poorly than the entire I've, I, I've idea I've had more fun playing JRPGs that I've forgotten the names of than I had remembering fucking Duke Nukem 3D. <laughs> I mean, if you, like, if, you, if you like Duke Nukem, play Duke Nukem 3D, right? Yeah. It's like everybody yeah. Out there, they're like, Oh man, I hope that the fucking somebody gets a hold of Goldeneye. It's like they did that already, and yeah, it, was, it terrible. was terrible. Just play Goldeneye, it's still good. Yeah. Like, just play, I don't want just play Duke Nukem 3D. I mean, terrible. Halo's better, but uh, Halo is obviously <laughs> yeah, better. We're not kidding. Perfect Dark is <laughs> Perfect Dark's dope, is like a, like a five, and, I don't, and Halo's a ten. I don't want to see more like, Perfect Dark like, Perfect Dark's more like perfect third or fifth to Halo, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about zero, right? No, I'm talking about the original. Zero is Perfect Dark Halo is better level. Than Halo. I think Austin will reach over this table. <laughs> I already thought. But, like, wacky fun shooters exist. Like, you can play yeah. anything from Time Splitters to Serious Sam to fucking whatever. Like, and it, Serious Sam got a reboot before Duke Nukem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Serious Sam is like, like a Duke Nukem parody, and that had, like, a million fucking games. Yeah. There's a new one coming out. Yep. All right, last question All right. before we do what? plugs. Between Gex, Conker's Bedford, Gex. and Duke Nukem, who is the best in terms of Gex. the pop culture? Like Gex. I already Gex. answered your question. All right, all right. Uh, you seem <laughs> pretty on it there. Do you remember that scene where you had to play the Titanic? Gex no. 3? It was awesome. Was that Enter the There Gex was home? a Matrix one. I remember that. The Matrix was also <laughs> I do remember that. The, Ma- the Matrix was in Conker as well. Yeah, but it was yeah. better. And... They, there's Saving Private Ryan parody in that, too. I think Conker was the funniest of the three. Yeah, but Conker's uh, multiplayer is so much fun. I but know. here's the thing: it's I like think that Gex was the similar best to Duke Nukem 3D. I really liked Conker at the time, but that would probably be tough to go back to in a lot of ways. Sure, too. I don't think I'd find singing shit as. Who funny. was the third like, one you said? Uh, no, those are the three. No, who was the third? Gex, Duke, Conker. And- oh, Duke. Yeah, Duke sucks. <laughs> Conquer's better. Duke is a euphemism for shit, too, by the way. <laughs> Conquer's bad forever. Is that the sequel that you're pitching? Yeah. <laughs> what if Conquer and Gex team up and kill Duke Nukem? That's how you make a good Duke game. <laughs> I'm patting right, I'm, I'm, right, yeah, I'm yeah. into this. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Don't. Go play Duke Nukem Forever. Don't play Duke Nukem Forever, even though Chris says it's $5. It's not worth $5. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, I mean, we told you a whole bunch of episodes to go listen to. The Jeff Gerstmann one is kind of related to what we talked about. Uh, The the Borderlands. The Borderlands Uh, one has a lot of information about it. Got the E3 episode coming up soon in June, so stick around for that. And then there's like 60 other fucking episodes. (laughs) Uh, You can go back and listen to the SimCity episode we just did recently and find out why everybody is wrong in City Skylines is just trash. Fucking God. Just garbage. And EA is the best... (laughs) 
<laughs> you couldn't even uh, finish that. The best oh, well, video game company Listen ever. Listen to our, our series on Valve because they came up. Uh, our sound guy Jason's been playing Battlefront Two a lot. We did an episode on that. You yep. know what? We yeah. gotta upgrade him. He's the producer. I just thought about this earlier today when he was like giving like, "Hey, before you record today, do this, this, and this." I was like, "Oh wait, he's definitely like yeah, the true. producer. Uh, yeah, producer. That's true. producer. Right, he's no longer our the engineer. Producer, We're promoting Jason. him right now. Yes, yeah. you're promoted, Jason. You're welcome." <laughs> It Sign. comes with an increase of zero dollars. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. No, no, you, you don't frame it like that. You say that we're going to double, triple his pay. Oh, you're right, you're right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Venmo you one penny. Jason, cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> what was I talking about? We have a website, hotbuttoncast.com, that has links to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can monitor those for any upcoming news requ- on episodes uh, and clips and stuff. Yeah. You can go on our website and request a topic. We got all the feeds, iTunes, go on iTunes, rate us. I know I say this uh, every fucking week, but I can't wait to leave the a review for this. Yeah. Spotify, Google Play, all that shit. We're on all the podcast services. We're not exclusive, but to reiterate, we will sell out given the opportunity opportunity absolutely so if yes. you have an opportunity for us to sell out hit us up listen to our us on dukecast D- i still have not checked if our dms are open i should probably do that don't love spread the word literally if you like yes. the show tell your friend hey i like the show hot button tweet about it if you don't use twitter just literally yeah. you know if you're open just your window <laughs> everybody's stuck in their house is a perfect opportunity open your window <laughs> and just scream hot button rules at the top of your lungs yeah. um, if you got a friend really into duke nukem forever yeah take a crossbow yeah or video games or interesting journalism just write, spread the word write hot button cast com on a piece of paper and tie it to the arrow of the crossbow or the bolt, sorry, and then just start firing it. Yeah, that's how my mom met my dad. Hot button? <laughs> no. I was, I was, I was, I was gonna say hot button didn't exist. I was, I was making a joke about the crossbow leaving a note thing. Oh. It didn't land. <sighs> We're done. <laughs> Alright, in the immortal words of George Broussard, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up. Take two. <laughs>